Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to episode 29 of the Baseball from Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight. He is Joe Brand, and we are brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league ball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight, and he is at Joe Brand. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod wherever you listen to it. It helps us. And then we help you by filling your time with baseball yammering. It's really one of our favorite things to do. Joe, uh, obviously big news on the show today. And the, the schedules of Major League Baseball have aligned with the schedule of the podcast. The night we're set to record, the AL and NL MVPs are announced. And Jose Abreu, MVPito, takes home the hardware Uh it's really amazing. It's, I mean, just having had this whole season of 60 games, first and foremost, is incredible. And then the fact that a 30-plus-year-old first baseman wins an MVP in a season where, where truly anything should have benefited the young bucks of the game just having the small sample size go their way because of a, an abundance of athleticism or the league not really knowing you or something like that. None of that's true. It's the crafty veteran who bashed six home runs against the north side rival. It's all of those things. And Jose Abreu could not have been any more moved by the award as he was on MLB Network's broadcast Thursday night. That was really something to watch. And I think baseball fans all across the country got a little piece of what Jose Abreu's all about when they watched his reaction to winning an award that clearly meant so much to him. And that's something that I feel the national baseball audience has been lacking knowledge of, of what kind of person Jose Abreu is, what kind of leader, what kind of player. And I think everyone pretty much understands it now by seeing that. I do wonder, you know, with with some bad pub that the White Sox have gotten recently, I wonder if that reaction inspires a free agent. I mean, the first thing that Jose Abreu does is slams his head on the table just out of pure emotion, pure joy, and and just just seeing his entire life accumulate to this moment of something he's tried to accomplish kind of all on his own. Of course, he's going to take the classy noble route and acknowledge even Robin Ventura and Ricky Renneria, but, I mean, to win an MVP is such a, a sole award a individual accomplishment, and for a guy that, as he said before he even got the award, had gone through so much. I think the whole national scale got to see 
who Jose Abreu really is, what he's really like, and it's just it's it's more than a baseball game. I, I tweeted this out, a, a quote tweet from Chuck Garfine's tweet back in 2013 when Jose Abreu got welcomed to the White Sox. He started tearing up at then it was called U.S. Cellular Field. I mean, that's what made it seem so full circle, so bookended, even though you know Jose Abreu's career isn't over or anything. But that, that again, just shows what type of person and player he is by just leaving all his emotions out there up front to the public. I was uh, I was watching the award show, which we're going to talk about the way MLB Network chose to create their award shows this year, because sweet God, does that have to change in 2021? Um, but I'm watching the show with uh, I'm watching the show with my girlfriend who's, you know, she's a, a doctor. She's not a baseball fan all that much. Um, but you know, she sees the emotion of Jose Abreu and she's kind of, you know, I'm getting a little, a little verklempt and she's like, Oh, what's going on? Tell me this guy's story. And I'm just kind of rattling off Jose Abreu facts and remembering all of the things I was reporting at the time and covering when I was with the team and stuff, the story about him having to eat the first page of his fake Haitian passport, you know, just the story of all of these many, many, many of these Cuban players and, and how they had to get to the States, what they did to get there the the trials and tribulations of that and i i remember i think it was in i, I want to say it was 2016 and i think it was the road series before the matt albers hits the walk-off double against the mets <laughs> they it was their national league swing and the, and the white Sox were in miami to play the marlins and that was a really big deal because jose abreu's son and I believe his mom came with him. If not, it was Abreu's sister, and I, I can't remember which. But they were in Miami. They got, like, a vacation pass to be there for a couple of days. And they even had a day off there. And it was just a huge—I mean, Abreu— I remember Abreu leaving what was then U.S. Cellular Field to go to Miami. And I've never seen a player pack and get ready to leave the ballpark on a long road trip quicker and happier than Jose Abreu was. I mean, he couldn't wait to get out of there because he got to go see his family for a couple of days. He's he's really kind of a... He has gravity to him. He attracts players to him. It's it's clear if you've been in a White Sox dugout. And I think what's really cool about all of this, I, I saw this tweeted out from... Uh, I think it was Bradford Doolittle, actually. Jose Abreu could pass 1,500 career hits, 250 career doubles, 250 career home runs all without being in the MLB until age 27. That's that's impressive. That's really impressive. He's um he's about 400 hits shy. He's about 20 doubles shy. He is 42 home runs shy. Sorry, 52 home runs shy. Those are doable things for a guy who's going to play that spot and and probably hit left-handers for power for a long it's, time. It's kind of like the Ichiro argument with the being the all-time hits leader like professional hits because of all the hits that each row had back in japan uh, jose abreu is the oldest mvp since barry bonds in 2004 barry bonds was 39 he's the oldest american league mvp since dennis eckersley in 1992 dennis Ooh. eckersley was 38 years old good fun fact joe <laughs> uh, how about 38 what do you want is it wow that's crazy how about this for a fun fact? Uh, Dennis Eckersley's manager that year? I'm going to go with A.J. Tony Hinch. Oh, no, Tony La Russa. Yeah, right. No, of course. It was, it was Tony La Russa. 
Sorry, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have jumped the gun. I didn't know you were going to guess. How about how about hit the GM at the Oakland A's that year? Uh, uh, obviously a harder guess. Yeah. What year is this again? Say it again. Ninety-two. That's not like. Oh no, it's not Gene Lamont. I don't know. Sandy Alderson. Oh wow! Oh I mi- wow! I might have to remind people that both those. People are still in baseball today. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. That's some solid work, my friend. But but it goes back to what you said. The fact that he's able to do this at this age. I, I mean, think about the extension he signed prior to 2020. A lot of people questioned that. A lot of people were thinking not so much the money, but just just the length of years. And clearly the White Sox hit the nail on the head once again. Yeah, they, they got the first year right. That's for sure. Um <laughs> He is the fourth White Sox MVP, Frank Thomas in 93 and 94, Dick Allen in 72, and Nellie Fox in 59. This is the first time ever that both the AL and NL MVP played first base. Freddie Freeman won in the National League. Uh, Jose Abreu is the third Cuban board player to win the MVP. He's the 28th player to win Rookie of the Year and MVP. I think what's really cool about Jose Abreu's campaign, and I listen, there are going to be, um, and full disclosure, I'm I'm as sabermetrically inclined as the next former broadcaster, um, and I think you lean pretty far that way too. There are a lot of people voicing that Jose Ramirez, given the collected numbers and sabermetrics and analytics that he put up, had a better season than Jose Abreu, and that's okay, and that's fine. That's what these things are made to do. But Jose Abreu had 374 total votes, 21 first-place votes. Jose Ramirez had eight first-place votes. And DJ LeMayhew had one first-place vote. Abreu led the American League in hits with 76. RBI was slugging. Slugging was 617. Total bases with 148. He was second in home runs at 19. He played all 60 games, which I think is worth noting. And he led baseball wins above replacement by position players at 2.8, although Jose Ramirez outpaced him by, I think it's almost uh, a little over half a win on fan graphs. I I think what's cool, and and, and the reason I put the emphasis, I think, on playing all 60 games is many came into this season wondering if 60 games would matter, you know? Like, ah, are we really going to care about this at the end of it? I don't know whether you did or whether you didn't. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that 60 games mattered to you. But it damn sure mattered for guys like Jose Abreu, and you could see it. I mean, you could see it in him. You could see it in the tears. You could see it in the gratefulness. Um, you could. It was obvious. Him and Freddie and even Trevor Bauer to a certain degree, like really, truly uh, appreciated the ability to play this season short as it was. I I would hate if fans really did pull away the value of any type of award in this kind of season. Because I honestly was thinking about it with the Cy Young. I, I'm wondering, does you Darvish beat Trevor Bauer with a 162-game season? Just, just because it almost seems like Bauer never had a chance to slip. And I'm not jumping into the Cy Young conversation just yet, but, but he never had a chance to slip. And I think that's what separates Jose Ramirez from Jose Abreu in this voting because Jose Ramirez – kind of really slipped in August. I know people hate batting averages, but he hit 202. He had a 296 on base. His OPS was 700. And meanwhile, 
Jose Abreu nearly had, well, yeah, he had one less RBI in September than he did in August when he played three more games in August. And I know a lot of times RBIs are out of your control as well, but that is what made Jose Abreu such a good hitter this year. We've talked to time in and time out about his ability to just put the ball wherever he wanted and situational hitting. And I think that's what spoke most volume in this season. Uh, I'll be honest, during the year, I, I thought Jose Ramirez was going to win. So did I. Maybe maybe it was a recency effect just because of how hot he and the Cleveland team were that that just kind of powered them through, especially past the White Sox in the AL Central standings. So I, I really thought that was going to play a factor. But when you spread out, when you look at the splits, when you look at Abreu's numbers compared to Ramirez, I think that's where the difference is. It's just that consistency in a very unique, odd season. And and that's why I don't think you can pull away anything from this year. And and it's not the argument, oh, all these things that these players had to go through with, with quarantining and, and doing something they'd never done before. It's just... It's just the way that this whole year happened. You get your sample size, you run with it, and you look at who was different in what aspect. And I I, I agree with the 21 people that voted Jose Abreu first overall. If I could retract my earlier vote from Jose Ramirez, that was hypothetical. I guess I'm doing that now. But, but yeah, and it again, I think for the moral of showing the baseball world and just the sports world who Abreu is, I think it's really, really good for the game. I want to spread it around to some of the other awards in a second here, but I do want to point out Mike Trout finished fifth in the MVP voting. That is his lowest finish in a in a technically full season, his having played a full season in his career. Uh, Tim Anderson did get a third-place vote, a single third-place vote. Um, he had three fourth-place votes, three fifth-place votes, and eight sixth place votes. Dallas Keuchel got a 10th place vote on the AL MVP balloting. I'm going to go through the NL side of the MVP ballots in a second because something attempted to break my brain here. That might actually be broken. But I want to tell you this. um, None of this show would be possible without David Hochberg and all the fine folks at Team Hochberg. Not only would I not have a roof over my head, but they sponsor the House of L podcast network and our show as well. Team Hochberg helped me rack up the mortgage for my place here in Wicker Park. They have been amazing through COVID as well. Um, I, I want to tell you that I've, I've recommended Team Hochberg to a friend or two of mine who even in this you know horrible atmosphere of, of a pandemic are looking to purchase a new home. Um, and the advice that I gave them, well, the reason I told them like, oh, talk to talk to Kevin over at Team Hochberg and, and let him know what you're looking for and let him know what's up is because, you know, I, I checked in like a lot of homeowners did about what my options were and what does this mean? What's a what is a forbearance? What are all these things that my lender is is offering me? What are the definitions of all this stuff? I just reached out to Kevin. And I was like, hey, man, what what are we talking about here? What do all these things mean and what's going to matter later on? And I just. He just, I got the rundown of everything <laughs> in an email back like four hours later. It was ridiculous. They will treat you with the same care that they treated me. I promise you that. That's what they pride themselves on. Give them a call, 855-56-DAVID, or head to the website at 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. So mention that I, I – and we're not done. We're kind of mixing up the Cubs and White Sox conversation here because this is kind of about the um, – 
the awards that Major League Baseball waited until forever to hand out to garner headlines, and damn it, they did it. <laughs> but but I, we were just reading through the AL MVP balloting, and I want to go over to the NL MVP ballots. Freddie Freeman won, and that's great. Freddie Freddie Freeman had COVID <laughs> just before the year started. I didn't like who like my God, what an amazing year for that man! Congratulations, his family seemed lovely. The little kid was was very very cute. Two Cubs players received MVP votes. Yu Darvish was scattered in in a couple of different places. I think I saw him as high as a as a sixth place vote somewhere. I think Jesse he got two seventh place votes, two ninth, and two. Is that what? Votes. Okay, so I saw Jesse Rogers had him pretty high, and I think um, Mark Gonzalez, uh, who's who's deluxe in his own right, had him with a, an eighth place vote maybe. And the other, the other Cubs player, full disclosure. Joe and I are doing this over Skype right now, so I, I, I can see that Joe knows the player. Someone gave Ryan Tapera an MVP vote. It's a 10th place vote, but what in the name of God is going on with Ryan Tapera getting a 10th place MVP vote? Are you ready to get your pitchforks ready and, and ready to storm through the baseball writers of America? The, the weirdest part is it, it's Rick Hummel, the guy who gave him the vote, and Rick writes for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So I can only imagine that it's like a really weird, perverted troll job of some kind. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Somebody on, on Twitter referenced that maybe he lost a bet, so he had to go ahead and give Ryan Tapera a 10th place vote. I don't know, man. Do they really need to do 10th place votes for this MVP race type thing? It's it's now starting to get to that point. It's just my opinion, but are you if a person gets a 10th place vote for an MVP, are they really going to win the MVP Probably not. Why can't we trim this thing down to five? I wonder if this is something that goes into the players' uh, side of arguments, like because it helps them out with arbitration or contract negotiations. Oh, look at how many eighth-place MVP votes I got last year. It it. I read that. I'm like Ryan Tapera. I'm like the Ryan Tapera, the Cubs Ryan Tapera. He he received a tenth place vote. What is this? What does this world come to? So I I was looking through Twitter myself. Actually, you just gave me an idea with the bet. What if at some point during Rick Hummel's writing career and Ryan Tapera's playing career, they crossed paths and they made a bet for ten grand? Hummel wins the bet. And realizes that the easiest way to get the extra ten grand to Tapera is by giving him an MVP vote. Tapera wins the ten grand in his contract. Hummel gets paid off on the ten grand bet. I don't know. That's that's probably highly illegal, and comes into question. Probably, uh, but you know what? That makes more sense than anything that happened with this Ryan Tapera vote. It's very strange. It's very very strange. Uh, and I don't think that Rick Hummel's vote is up for sale. I would not say that about Rick Hummel. I don't know who he is, but most baseball writers don't do that. The other thing is is. I saw a national baseball writer tweet, I don't know what team Ryan Tapera played for last year. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. <laughs> I, I think it was Chris Cotillo. It was very funny. <laughs> well, that's honestly a whole factor with this whole thing because in this odd year, the writers only got to see one-third of baseball teams be- yeah, that's be- true. That's because true. of travel. So, yeah, that's that's a totally fair argument. Uh, he was – I mean, Tapero was a former Blue Jay, though, right? Shouldn't Cotillo know where he used to be? But, yeah, maybe it wasn't Cotillo. But, but, well, yeah. no, but I, I'm guessing – I read it as, or I heard that as you said it as. I don't know who Ryan Tapera is. <laughs> oh yeah, no, who you know who he played for in 2020. Well, again, yeah. that's why first glance I saw that I'm like Ryan Tapera. I'm like the Cubs, Ryan Tapera, Ronald Reagan, the actor. That's what went through my head. <laughs> so the other the other votes that I found pretty interesting here, at least on the um, on the Cy Young side of things, is you uh, Darvish uh, finished runner up to Trevor Bauer in the AL uh, NL Cy Young voting, and. I, I think it's important to note that, and and it's because I, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes on a guy that 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 matters in baseball and that sometimes I don't like and sometimes I do. But Trevor Bauer has said on record that there is only one way to improve your spin rates the way Garrett Cole has, the way Justin Verlander has. You know what I mean? It's by putting pine tar on the ball. It's by putting a substance on the ball. Then he goes out. And changes spin rates by that, like virtually that same questionable amount, and wins a Cy Young. The man himself is the evidence for what he's done. I think that's why this matters as much as I think it does. I know a lot of people are willing to throw that off, and pitchers can use whatever. Uh, but I, I, you know, at some point, pick a thing that matters. I guess this is. This is a thing that matters to me. And I'm not doing this because I need to stump for Darvish to win a Cy Young. He'll he'll he could win another one, Lord knows. Um but it just, something doesn't sit easy with me about this. And and it's not that he won. It's that the conversation about how he did it 
it is not as loud as I need it to be right now. I don't know if that makes sense with you, Joe, but that's that's how I feel about the NL Cy Young. You better hope Trevor Bauer doesn't hear this because you know he'll. Uh, you know what? <laughs> if he if he does, then he'll tweet the link to the show and and that's fine. But I I have to imagine that Bauer doesn't give a damn. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Part of me just thinks Trevor Bauer sees what Garrett Cole did, calls him out for what he thinks the result or rather the process to get the result was and then he goes and figures it out on his own because he's Trevor Bauer and all he cares about is is being the best being different and being better than you and I don't mean you Connor McKnight I just mean yeah. everyone in general uh I mean it's it's no surprise that Trevor Bauer is a very unique person and does things outside the box all the time yeah you would need a lot of uh, investigation with that but I mean, I guess to add fuel to the fire, how about the fact that he's like, yeah, Garrett Cole and I would get along if I go to the Yankees. I'm I'm willing to bury the hatchet. I'm I'm totally cool with that. If he's cool with yeah, that. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> uh, how, how about, can we talk about what Trevor Bauer was wearing the other day? Did you see what he that was That was an interesting look. That was an interesting look, wasn't he it? Looked, he looked like, all he needed was the hat, and he looked like Tom Hanks' character in Polar Express, I thought. I yeah, he looked like a conductor of some kind. He looked at, I don't watch the show Peaky Blinders, but that is that's what the posh in, on Peaky Blinders kind of wear. He just was kind of missing that Killian Murphy roll-up mustache kind of thing. I it was an interesting look. If since we're on the look, I I have to talk about the broadcast itself, both of the Cyungs and the and the MVPs. I I don't know if it's a pandemic thing. I don't know if the the production of this has got to be changed because of of the era of COVID and the staffing at MLB Network or something like that. I have no idea. But a couple of things here. Um, I, I do not need my three finalists for for NL or AL MVP or Cy Youngs, whatever, up there like they're all expecting to win the award. Like somebody has won this already. This isn't a runoff kind of thing. I, I certainly don't need three different analysts stumping for each guy like they've got a case to prove. Where Where is the production? Where are the five-minute-long highlight reels with, like, the NFL Films guy voiceover and, and like, what it, with the emotional music and, like, a postseason moment and big home runs against the— Like, give me those things. Give me all of those feels. Don't give me Harold Reynolds apologizing to Jose Abreu because he forgot he was talking to two Jose's and he's supposed to talk to Jose Ramirez first. I—this was—I mean, it was— it wasn't a disaster, but the whole thing felt like this really strange Twitter live stream. When it's MLB damn network, do do the thing. Be the network. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I also think that when they went to Jose Abreu at first, his camera kind of dropped. Did you see it? Like, yeah, that was just to the bottom of the desk. Yeah. Um, I even think Russ Dorsey of the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted out, two days or yesterday when Darvish chose not to I don't know if he chose not to be interviewed or just you know whatever whatever happened he said we don't need Darvish's picture up there everyone knows that Darvish is one of the candidates and I I thought well yeah but don't they want to just give everyone equal acknowledgement and equal recognition and I think that's their that's their goal with everything that they did with these awards but I would agree with you because of this I don't think 
these players want to do these interviews. I, I think they want to be recognized. I think they want to get interviewed if they win. Of course, of course. But, but I, I don't think they want to do that because, I mean, what? Yes, DJ LeMahieu two questions before he loses, and he's, I mean, he's in there with a, a button-down or, you know, a quarter-button shirt with a backwards hat. It's just, okay, hey, I got to do this thing on MLB Network real quick. Uh, I probably won't win, but this is still pretty cool to be one of the top three. So I'm guessing that's where the goal is, to to show that recognition. But you're right. I think fans and probably even the players themselves would just rather enjoy or enjoy more a five-minute montage of what they did with some music, some postseason things. And and how you said each candidate or uh, each guy that interviews the candidates is, like, making a case for each player, they they – assert all these stats with all this emotion and enthusiasm it's they're one out of three players that are going to win the MVP of course their numbers are spectacular so yes I would agree with you even more show me what they did in video form rather than in number form I think a lot of people would be more appealed towards that it was very strange to me you've got Harold Reynolds like promoting the way Mookie Betts slides into third I don't it's very strange. It's very, very strange. I did not need it. I did not care for it. I did like the result of the AL MVP voting, uh, but I wasn't all that much of a fan of the broadcast. Uh, just a couple more things before we wrap the show. David Ross finished third in NL Manager of the Year voting. That's good. I, I think that's um, I, I think that's a nice little sign, like an, an acknowledgement from his peers. Does it mean he's a good manager? I have no idea. You know, I mean, it, it, we don't know that. Uh, Rick Renneria got votes, you know, for, for AL Manager of the Year. I think we all knew that was going to happen. Those awards go to, for the most part, the team that improves most from uh, year minus one to the year you're in, right? That's just, that's what happens. But... I, I do think it's interesting to have David Ross get that kind of accolade. I, I do think it's interesting to have, you know, in a year, in an offseason where the Cubs are likely to face more subtractions than additions, um, to have David Ross kind of get that, I don't know, just a little um, sign of approval from from others in the industry is, is helpful to a front office that made a, a fairly controversial decision in replacing Joe Madden with David Ross. I'm probably in the minority with this, but I think that manager or the manager of the year voting should incorporate how a team does in the postseason because that's where managers get critiqued the most. Um, so if, if you're going to do that, I don't know, just add a little bit more to it because, hey, in 2011, I thought Tony La Russa should have won manager of the year solely on game six of the World Series. Um, when it comes down to it, if you win the division – in your first year managing, odds are you're going to get some manager of the year votes. It's just so tricky with this award because they need to give it out every year. Right. And they never give it to somebody who they gave it to the year before. They they hardly ever get votes, whoever got it the year before. It's more like, well, this guy hasn't gotten votes in a while and he's always a great manager, so we'll throw him into the mix once again. So it's it's just a, a tricky award. So that's why I'd like to see just a little bit more life pumped into it with how they do in the playoffs. Because let's face it, you manage to win. If you win, you get to the playoffs. And then all that's important is winning in the playoffs. So why isn't that factored in there whatsoever? I, I love that idea. I'm going to start stumping for that. And I think it's a great idea and a change for that for that award. I also, it, it makes me think, too, 
I'm sure there have, you know, I don't care to look at it because it really doesn't matter all that much. I'm sure there have been managers who have won it in back-to-back seasons. But the most likely way to do it is have a good team, win manager of the year, and then your your owner goes through some sort of sell-off, and yet the prospects you get back are really good or something like that, and you and you still make a, a playoff run or something like that. That's that's kind of the only way. Like a Mattingly, like, like Mattingly kind of won it right, this year, right? right? Like a little bit like that if he'd had the the good team the year before. Um, if if you had to, just to fill out a little bit of Cubs content here, since we were so Sox heavy on things because the Sox were so much better and so much more fun in 2020. Um, if you had to put odds down on the next Cubs player to win uh, off-season hardware, right? A Cy Young, an MVP, I'll, I'll accept a rookie of the year, though that's a much harder, you know, award to predict, obviously. But not that these all aren't hard. Um, but not manager of the year. This is not in the conversation. Are are your odds-on favorites even on the team in some of these cases? I, I think the favorite for the next off-season piece of hardware is you Darvish for a Cy Young. After that, I think there's not really anybody that you'd have in, like, the top five favorite odds getters, right? Yeah, I was going to snarkily say David Ross for manager of the year next season. (laughs) David Um, Ross for comeback player of the year. (laughs) No, that's my other running joke. I've activated myself. I I can't wait for a comeback manager of the year award between Tony La Russa, A.J. Hinch, and Alex Cora. Um, No, I, uh, of course, you Darvish is the safe bet. Yeah, I'd be willing to throw Kyle Hendricks into that mix too. Okay. Okay. Um, are you Are you talking Silver Slugger Award at all? Are, nah, are just the gold that? ones. Just the Just the big awards. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough. It's It's tough to predict anyone from the Cubs winning MVP. Uh, if you want to throw a dark horse out there, maybe like a Jason Hayward with what he was able to turn his season around to. Yeah, I, that that'd be a I, Ian Happ is interesting to me. Right. But I think we saw the, you know, that at Ian Happ's best, he is hotter than hell for a month and a half, and then he is very cold for for the corresponding six weeks, and that's that's you can't make a you can't make an MVP season out of that. I, I mean, not not really, not in any real sense, not in any 162 game season. Although he was, I mean, if the season ended halfway through, Ian Happ would have been a top three MVP guy. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of where he's I. I guess if you had to say that, or if you told me that the National League MVP is a Cub currently, I don't know if you think this is crazy or not, but I would bet it's Chris Bryant. I I would still bet that that guy is Chris Bryant. Right. If you gave me, if you told me those things, if you were like, "Hey, I've been to the future. I use the DeLorean." 2021 MVP is a Cub, and he's a Cub right now in this timeline. I would say then it's probably Chris Bryant. I mean, with his pedigree and his past talents, I, I wonder what most Cub fans would say about that. I, I, I really wonder who they have most faith in to win an MVP. I mean, do you throw Wilson Contreras into the mix at all just because of the position and what he's able to do? I I, I, I would, I would. That's your I would next maybe guy. Go, yeah, with yeah. I Wilson think that's Contreras. your next guy. It, it's such a bold statement in a in a bold scenario, but I understand why you present it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's really tough for me to just to think Chris Bryant turns into 2016 Chris Bryant in 2020. Like if you told me Chris Bryant turns into 2017 Chris Bryant in 2020, okay, I'm I I can believe that. I'm on board with that. Yeah. But it's it's such a I guess it's such a big leap. Um he's he's a devoted, committed guy, hopefully with no injuries next season that that could make it in the works, but it's it's hard to believe right now, of course. I don't know if you've noticed, but there have been a whole bunch of off-season headlines. Well, more off-season headlines over the last couple of weeks uh, about whether the Cubs are thinking about trading you Darvish or whether Darvish uh, being moved is, is the right kind of thing. I, I find it interesting, and um, I think a lot of people have seen, you know, kind of like, like you and I did in a couple of podcasts ago, that if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to shake this roster at the core – you Darvish is kind of one of those few things that guarantees you return um, in an immediate way and starts fulfilling uh, the the stated goal that Theo and Jed had of preparing to win or trying to win still, but also preparing for the long term. I just I only bring it up because I find it interesting, and that's where you and I kind of had our heads at a few weeks ago. Do you think there's a world where you can move you Darvish and it's not a full on rebuild? I I do. Um, but I, I think the likelihood is that it is followed by a trade deadline renewal of that rebuild. You know what I mean? Like you would trade Darvish, see you get back, okay, fill out a roster and maybe be competitive kind of thing. See what happens. Uh, but if Bryant goes the way he did last year, if Baez goes the, you know, if it all happens again, you know, like we've sung this song right. so many years, then right. you just finish off the the trading and finish off the roster and and Theo moves on and and Jed becomes GM or whatever however that's going to go. Right. Yeah, I mean when the thought first popped into my head of the question I just asked, um I, I, I thought, okay, well the Washington Nationals lost Bryce Harper and then won the World Series the next year and I think it's safe to say you know, Bryce Harper means more to a team than you Darvish does just because of the everyday play aspect. So yeah, Darvish is the biggest fish, right? He's the prettiest penny. He's he's what you're going to get in return, or at least what you're what you're guaranteed to get the most in return. And it helps you with the money aspect too, depending on how much you decide to retain and whatnot. But it, it, I guess it helps you both ways. You can get something in return. You chop a good chunk of money off the books, and what you get in return might be might have to dictate how close you are to another rebuild or how close you are to competing in the next year or a couple of years down the line. Here's just a fun thing. Not for nothing, but Kenta Maeda and Hyunjin Ryu were both Dodgers. They both finished two and three in the AL Cy Young voting. They are no longer Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that the Cubs system or, or organization is as thorough as the Dodgers. Not by a long shot. But there are ways to construct the rest of your roster without an ace, because that ace only goes once every five days. Well, and I don't think anyone would consider the Cubs' rotation as deep, but they're the deepest aspect of the team right now, wouldn't you say? So what are you going to do? You get rid of the number one guy at that area to try and tinker and move some things around. And we talked about it before, you move you, Darvish, you can possibly package one of those guys that Theo and Jed have been reluctant to moving in the first place before um, to, again, kill two birds with one stone. You you make something good out of it, and 
if it comes with sacrificing you, Darvish, yeah, it stinks. But if you got to do it for the greater good, that's what you have to do. Joe, that's going to do it for us on episode 29 of the Baseball from Home Pod. Episode 30 comes out next Friday. Looking forward to it. Uh, mostly, though, congrats to Jose Abreu. That is an awesome, awesome thing for him, his family, the White Sox organization, and White Sox fans all over the place. Have a great Friday. Thanks for listening. This is Baseball from Home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.